Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 263? No, more than that. Greg, you don't have all your facts together. 263. This is what the email is telling me. That these are the questions for episode number 263. I think they're old questions. Wow. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. It's We've had a few of them. We've had more episodes of the Extra Podcast than I think a lot of good TV shows, probably. Than a lot of sunny days lately. Ooh, relevant. Love it. Hey, around the... T- I'm Greg. I'm hosting Around the Table. It, you've heard Pastor Crystal. Hello. Pastor Kyle is here. Hello. And I, is this your first time at the table? Very first. Pastor Jonathan Giesbrecht. Hello. Do you still technically go by Jonathan around these parts? You know, it depends where you know me from. Yeah. I think more recently I've gone by Jonathan because it, well, mostly out of necessity because Johnny's here. Yes. So if you called me Johnny, I think things would get confusing. And I have gone by John, though, in my, in, in my past. But we used to have a John Pazook on yeah. staff. And an intern, we had John Mulder. A lot of Johns have come through here. So Jonathan is my only unique trait in my name. <laughs> I think I remember John Pazook saying that he would go by John and you'd go by Jonathan the first time he met you and he kind of made that clear like in yeah. a staff meeting. It was it was really established. I think, yeah. did we come on at the same time? John Pazook and... Yeah, because he, he, he was a teaching yeah. associate when I was an intern. He yeah. set the rules really and he quickly. set the rule. So I didn't really have a say. No. It's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So you will probably know Jonathan from uh, his leading worship most weekends in the worship center. I do that. And it's summertime. And so many of our regulars are not here. And they, so, got, they got real desperate. So I was like, hey, you want a podcast? And he said yes. So he's here. It's good to have you here. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks, Greg. It's very kind of you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the weather that Crystal brought up about 45 seconds ago, what are you guys doing this summer? For You guys have big summer plans? What? What? Is the thing that makes Kyle Meeker's summer the best possible season of the year? The most wonderful time of the year, right? That's the way the song goes. Um, yeah, my son's playing a lot of baseball right now, which is lots of fun to go watch him and the other his other friends do that. It's uh, you know out in the out in the cloudy have <laughs> cloudy you, days. And, have you had many rainouts uh, yet? Or not? Uh, none in the summer. Hmm. So we're. Got a big tournament this weekend coming up here in Abbotsford. We're hosting 16 teams from around British Columbia and the island and even from down in Washington coming up. So that'll be fun to have a bunch of other teams here. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's been a big part of my summer. It's been lots of fun with him. And my daughter plays in the mound of extra sand that they have to fix the mound in the fields. Uh, so she carries a bucket and makes mud pies and blows bubbles and in her five-year-old enthusiasm has a, a great time all on her own, which is a wonderful thing. And you throw her in the bath every time after you get home? Yeah, so sometimes she like falls asleep on the way home and it's like, Harris, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta wake up and take a bath because, man, you're filthy. So you guys, that's your that's your summer plan? You got some baseball? It's good fun? That's baseball. Great. I'm gonna, on a family vacation, my uh, parents are celebrating their 50th anniversary coming oh, up wow. soon, so... Them and their kids and their grandkids, 14 of us, are coming here and then going uh, on a boat in Vancouver, which my daughter's been talking about for a number of months. We're going on the boat, and she actually put um, on her 
kind of bedside stand, all the hair bows and all of her stuffies and all the things she wants to bring on the boat. She put them there, and Rebecca, my wife, was like, okay, we can't just leave them there for three months. Uh, you're going to use them, so I'll take a picture of them. We have these things called smartphones now. Uh, so my wife took a couple pictures. Actually, my daughter took a couple pictures with our phones of because mm. she can use the phone better than I can. Um, so, yeah, so she's getting all ready. So it'll be a lot of fun to have a, a mini family reunion. It's a lot of meekers. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like... You guys are all going to be late for every meal. Lollygagging, talking, taking your sweet just, time. It's it's about relaxing. It's about family time. Are you, Is this one of the cruises where, like, you can just eat whenever you want? Or is it, like, scheduled meal times? I'm planning for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a sushi bar on, on oh. the cruise. So I'm going to see how many meals in a row I can have California rolls, which I guess aren't technically sushi. but So you, yeah. Hey, you're going to Alaska. Yeah. I'm sure they got it fresh from the water that morning. That's awesome. That's going to be fun. Alaska in the summer. John? Jonathan? Yeah, yes. Big summer plans? Uh, no, not really. Awesome. Go up camping, maybe. Do something like that. That should be fun. Cool. Crystal, what do you got going? Nothing? You gave me nothing, Jonathan. I didn't really give you much. Right, no, no. You know what? The nice thing about summer, the nicest thing about summer, vacations and whatnot aside, is I think is, is, is 5.30 in the morning is a lot more bearable in the summer than the winter. When yeah. your kids wake up. When, you're, when your one-year-old's like, I'm done. I'm done sleeping. Anybody? Don't when there's a sun out, it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, you can see the sunrise. I saw yeah. the sunrise this morning. Yeah, I know, right? early, but yeah, it's legitimately you morning. You and me both. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then I thought, well, the sun's up and you're still up. Yeah. So now it's just early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good times. Yeah, best ever. Crystal, big summer plans? Um, just one camping trip to Asoyas. Our family has been going since before I was born every August long weekend, so... I have celebrated, my birthday's August 1st, and so I've celebrated almost every single birthday of my whole life at the beach in Asoyas. So that is where I'll be. And then Bob and I are still trying to do something at the end of August, but we're not sure what that's going to look like and when. Cool. Cool. And you? That's great. You just moved. Uh, I just moved. So we will finish settling in there, and then uh, we leave to go camping soon. So that'll be nice. Go up to the Okanagan and Oliver for a, a week and then come back. And then we're actually going to San Diego for a week. There's a conference that's held yearly for uh, my son's diagnosis. And so we can chat with the medical experts and some of the therapy experts and meet other families and that kind of stuff. So that'll be good. We have lots of connections we've made with people on Facebook and stuff. And it's nice to actually meet them in person and be like, hey, that's you actually look like your picture. It's great. On Facebook. And and then I don't know what else we'll talk about. <laughs> I want to go to a Padres game because it's in San Diego. The Padres are awful, but I've never been to San Diego. So I hear the zoo's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I. The aquarium. That doesn't been bother a my conscience yet. So I think I could go to the zoo <laughs> and maybe the aquarium. I don't know. SeaWorld, yeah. SeaWorld. I've heard SeaWorld is like. Okay. It's yeah, I don't great. know. There's a lot of controversy about mm-hmm. there is a lot of controversy. aquatic animals being yeah. kept in capti- captivity. Yeah. So I don't know. 
So I might just avoid all the controversy and stay at the hotel and go to the pool. <laughs> and then I'll say, hey, I just had to because of my conscience and stuff. So, so yeah, that's good. Hope you listening. I hope if you're listening to this that you're still listening and that you will have a good summer. We have some questions that people have sent in to ask us. The first one has to do with how do you actually help someone who is interested in Christianity like actually come to faith in Christ? What are some steps that you would encourage from your experience or from scripture or whatever to actually help someone make a commitment to following Jesus? So the person's ready. They want to follow Jesus. What do you as your as their friend say to help them through that process? Everyone's jumping in. Crickets. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it depends a lot on the relationship and the context. Um, so you say they're ready, and that's a great thing. So if they're if they understand who Christ is, they understand their need for him, they understand what it means um, to actually trust in Christ and have their sins forgiven and have uh, that relationship with God restored, if they're ready for that, then you can talk with them and pray with them or even let them pray on their own to, to ask Christ to forgive them and to, um, um, you know, make them new creations in, in Him. So the, the, the big pieces are who God is and who we are and why there's this gap. This gap is caused because of our rebellion and because of our sin, and that gap has been bridged beautifully by Christ and His cross. Uh, not simply to give us a ticket to heaven, but as mm-hmm. a way to reunite us with God, which is how we were made to live. So to make sure people are understanding that, whether they're really little or have been in the church for a long time, um, those are some of the key things. Who God is, who we are, what Christ has done to bridge that gap. Yeah, I think that's the main point, is just making sure they're clear on those pieces, mm-hmm. what they're actually doing and what they're affirming if they become a Christian, if they decide to follow Him. So there's different... Like you had those for who Christ is, who God is, and people talk about just that gospel message, like making sure they understand the creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration, yeah. those pieces. And if they kind of have a, a knowledge of that, of what our problem is and how God came to restore us to himself and what that means for us in the future, then it's just that matter of leading them in that prayer of repentance and acceptance. Yeah, yeah. I like what you said there. I think the one the one wordage that I I really come to like with with this conversation is the counting of the cost, um, and making sure that people understand. Yeah. Not I mean you understand like there's this idea that you have to know everything before you can become a Christian, and that's not that's not the point. But the point is like when you when you when you've repented, when you know that you've sinned before God, and you you've asked for repentance. Now it's like uh, it's a it's a okay. This is what it means to follow Jesus, and are you willing to do that? And if you are, it's not it's not some magical, mystical, you know, incantation you need to do. It's a okay. Now let's let's live the life that that Jesus has called you to, and that's going to come with that's going to that's then we you know we've we're talking about discipleship now, right? That's going to come with its its failings and its failures, and we all we that's that's who we all are, right? We're all continuously falling, repentant people, right? Mm. What do you guys do with the language of asking Jesus into your heart. That's kind of a common phrase people will use about the, that coming to faith moment. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that helpful? Is that confusing? Is it, is it just kind of a, just a, a summary phrase of what we've all been talking about? Or how do you guys deal with that phrase? Yeah, it can be confusing um, 
to people. The, the, the good point about it is that, it, you know, your trust in Christ needs to be your trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. You need to make the step of faith mm-hmm. uh, to believe in him and to call on his name, to repent of your sin, to trust in him, those, all those things. It, so it needs to be personal. So that, in that sense, it can be helpful um, where it can be misleading. There's no scriptural um, command to use this terminology, yeah. to use this phrase. So it can make the whole process seem very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, or very even individual centered or me centered. When mm-hmm. uh, picking up on Jonathan's point is that it's it's a it's a rearrangement of your life. Instead of you being on the throne of your life yeah. to be a follower of Christ, it's to put Jesus on the throne of your life. So what he says is actually true about the world, and what he says is actually true about you. Um, so that can be a helpful phrase. But again, I go back to the the context and the relationship and the discussion to mm-hmm. be able to talk with people um, so it's not simply a checkbox or a formula. It's introducing people to the beauty of who Christ is in that relationship. Yeah. I was going to say and the same thing. Is that, is that reigning? So it, I, th- I think like you. you this is think great. The exact, I, like, I think like a I wish doctor. I, could, I wish I could Whoa. sing like you, though. Know, that, that would be... Um, no, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, though, where, where the idea of like asking Jesus into your heart, if it if, if, like... If we nuance that to say something along the lines of asking Jesus to reign over your life and over who you are, I think it's actually a helpful phrase in in that context. But I think it often gets associated with 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 that kind of ticket to heaven kind of thing, where I have Jesus in my heart and therefore I'm good. Mm. And it's like I don't I don't that part isn't it's not a it's not really a biblical concept so much as the who is king over your life. Who do you who do you submit to? Do you submit to yourself? and your sinfulness, or is Jesus reigning in your heart, and is he dictating what is right in your life? Is he telling you what is, you know, is he di- dictating your ethic? Mm. I think where it gets confusing, too, is the whole teaching of the, tri- the Trinity, mm. because really it's the Holy Spirit that fills us. It's not Jesus right. that's living within us, right? It's Our belief in Jesus brings us to that point of salvation, but then it's the Spirit that fills us and guides mm. us and leads us into all truth. So I think we want to be careful with that language, too, because it confuses people then on the whole Trinitarian aspect of God. Right. Mm. Because Jesus isn't literally in your, in your heart, heart right now. No, He's the at the right is. hand of, of God, the yeah. Father right now. Right. Yeah. I wonder if that language of accepting Jesus into your heart has, has just to follow up on Chris, what you're saying, has, has been a reason for why the, the Holy Spirit doesn't get talked about a lot in or hasn't in some circles been talked about a lot because mm. Francis Chan wrote the book Forgotten God, right? Be- if we use the language all the time of Jesus is the one who's living in my heart, then you're right. Yeah. We don't really have a proper we don't know where the Holy Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's doing. just this like impersonal thing that's out there. Right. We don't actually think of him as a person who who fills us and who is with us and guides us and powers us, all that, so... We yeah. think of him as an external force, like you talk about people yeah. talk about the spirit raining down on us, or something yeah. like he's an external, like kind totally of force. Star Wars, yeah, like yeah. rather the than force a person be with indwelling you, us, right? Yeah. yeah, totally. So where do metachlorians fit in with all oh, this? Oh dear, what? No, no we're not going to go there. <laughs> now we're in Doctor we're, Lingo. Okay, okay. We're one level beyond. Okay. My- <laughs> are you now talk- you're laying your minds are not connected. I know. I, oh, I, I know. Star Wars guy. I know. I just. Oh, I, what are you talking yeah. about? No, that should just be erased from all our memories. I think. Meta, episodes metachlorian the metachlorian count or something like that isn't that your i don't i i know it's from star wars i don't know what it is something to do with your yeah, capacity to, to use the force or something yeah. good job oh, is it yeah. oh. there we go wow yeah you you i guys. was so relevant in the 70s 
You guys should, no, these were the new ones, right? These they? were the 90s versions. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, shows what yeah. I know. That would have been later than the 90s, wouldn't it? Or was it 90s? 2000s? Yeah, 90s? 2000s. 2000s? Yeah, because yeah. my kids were watching them when they came oh, out. Okay. Yeah. All I know is the force is awoken, and that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Past tense. <laughs> the force awoken, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Nice. Yoda? I'm, I'm actually, I just need to make a point. That I'm both encouraged and discouraged by how alike Kyle and Jonathan are thinking <laughs> about everything. I think that that's, that's both good and, and really troubling on all kinds of different levels. Kyle's so, a smart guy. I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite all right with this. Jonathan sings well. I'm okay with that. <laughs> wow. Oh, he's not Maybe, maybe bring, it, bring it back to a serious, serious point. Um, yeah, yeah. I could elaborate a little bit on what Crystal said about the, the story. So you, it's the whole conversation of Jesus doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens with a story. So what's yeah. the story of history? And yep. if we if we reaffirm and talk about and teach the true story of history, that God made the world good, that people rebelled against God in, in the fall and have been rebelling ever since, but in the redemption, Christ came to to pay for our sin and to, to, to make a way for us to actually live the lives we were supposed to live, and he will one day recreate all things. So the creation, the rebellion, and the fall – the redemption and the recreation. If we have that past, you know, present and future in the in the background, then that sets a context for what Jonathan was saying about how Jesus needs to be king is because he is he and the Father and the Son have created everything. So they are by default king. And so trusting Christ with that backdrop lets us recognize that we need to get off the throne of our life and you know happily have Jesus you know, reign in our lives through through the Spirit. So that's when the relationship of who God is and who we are and sin, those mm-hmm. individual relational pieces then make sense, but they only make sense in the story of creation, fall, uh, redemption, and the recreation that will, will come. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, before we go to the next question, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer that we don't have Matt Pucci, the producer, here this time, and we I just downloaded the template that I was given to me, and I'm watching the little things, and I'm not convinced that this is balanced well. So if you're, like, turning your thing down and having to turn it up and stuff, my apologies. Well, you should tell us if it didn't work well, and then we'll try to fix it for next week. But maybe it's working awesome, and I'm just being a worry wart. Worry wart. <clears throat> is that the phrase? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, here's another question. Uh, the backdrop for this question is that they had a friend of theirs who grew up in a Muslim context, uh, walked away from their faith, and then recently they had a dream. And in that dream, they had it was a really powerful dream. I won't go into the details of it, but the question is: is do dreams? Sorry, I should say after the dream, the person recommitted their life to becoming a Muslim and is quite committed in this direction now after this dream. So the question is, do dreams and signs play a role in other religions? And how do we explain these and know that Christianity is the right way over all of the religions? So how do we do, what's the category for people having these, these miraculous supernatural type experiences and dreams? We hear the stories about people coming to faith in Christ because Christ comes to them in a dream and then they hear about Christ through a, preacher and then they come to faith and we're like that's amazing but what do we do with when someone recommits their life to Allah in the context of the Islamic faith through a dream yeah, other other cultures ha- take um, dreams much more seriously than 
we generally do in the Western culture. Um, when I have a bad dream, I usually think it's I actually had too much hot sauce that day, which is hard to believe which sometimes. Is, no, it's very probable. <laughs> you pound that hot sauce. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, attribute a bad dream to something very physical, very natural. Other cultures won't go that route. They'll attribute it to the, the spirits or to God himself communicating to them. Um, so dreams are one one factor, one piece of data, one evidence um, in the midst of other relationships, in the midst of history, in the midst of the written written scriptures, in the midst of all these different things that that people can um, cling to to propel them further down their path of faith. So the question is, well, how do you balance those out and how do you evaluate those? And those are all questions of, in essence, worldview. How do you take in the dreams and how do you assess them? How do you take in the relationships? How do you take in your own conscience? How do you take in um, other things people have told you, whether it be on you know the news or friends or Christians or non-Christians? So you have all this information coming at you. And the question is, how do you assess it? How do you evaluate it? How do you weigh it? And that's ultimately a question of, of worldview, what you're going to give the most most weight to. Mm-hmm. So the the person mentioned dreams, and and there have been a number of of stories going the opposite direction in the sense of committed Muslims having dreams of um, you know Jesus or some figure, and they are con- confused about it, and those dreams push them and propel them toward um, meeting, uh, re-meeting a Christian that they've already met, or or finding the, some scriptures that they have kind of brushed aside. Um, so there are a lot of people who are actually coming to faith in Christ. And the dreams have been something that have really mm-hmm. propelled them in that. So the question isn't only what the dreams are saying, it's, well, what do you do with the dreams yeah. and what do you do in the content of the dreams? Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the worldview question. Yeah. And there's, it sounds like there's two questions here. Like, it sounds like the first question is, 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 what do you do with people who have dreams? And then the second part of that is, how do we know that Christianity is right when other people are having other dreams? Mm-hmm. And the first one, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the first one, yeah, people have dreams all the time. I, I have really weird dreams. I've had bizarre dreams. I don't necessarily see those as, you know, truth dreams. Kind of like Kyle is saying, might be a might be a worldview thing. But to answer the second question, Christianity isn't isn't correct because the highest amount of people have the most amount of dreams about Jesus. Yeah. That's not where the the truth claim of Christianity is yeah. we don't stake our faith in in the ability to, or, or the quantity of dreams we have. Mm-hmm. Dreams might lead you to the truth of Jesus, but they are not the truth of Jesus. So if someone has a dream saying, you know, Jesus is is not God, I would say, okay, I can tell you your dream is not true. Mm. It doesn't negate the fact you had that dream, but it doesn't it, it it's subservient to the truth we see in scripture. Subservient? Mm-hmm. Sub- yeah. Mm-hmm. I used a I big think, word, Kyle. We're totally job, on the same page here. <laughs> I think all through scripture, like basically from the Exodus where Moses has miracles that he does and then the magicians of the court do the same miracles. Right. There's this recognition within scripture that there's various por- forces at work mm-hmm. in the world. And just because mm-hmm. something's miraculous or something is supernatural doesn't mean it's necessarily from God. So how do we assess then whether or not something's from God? And so that is where... The Bible comes in. That's the only sure word that we have. Yep. And so you look at even in First Peter, where um, Peter reflects on the fact that he saw the transfiguration, Jesus transfigured, but he says, but I'm not basing my 
faith on that experience. It's the prophets foretold all these things. That's what I'm basing my faith on. And so he says the more sure word is is the word of God that's been prophesied by prophets. So even at that point where he's affirming something miraculous that he saw, he's putting his faith in the prophetic word that came before it, that, that foretold it, and that is mm-hmm. confirming it. And so I think we have to take all these experiences and then line them up with, yeah, with yeah. Scripture, and that's how we evaluate whether they're true or not. There's, there's mystical experiences, there's all kinds of stuff in every religion, there's speaking in tongues in every religion, there's all these things that's not necessarily a mark of Christianity because we experience it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good word, lining up your experiences. This is a great example of that. You talk about, you know, how do you, how do you compare your experiences to Scripture? Well, this is a great example of mm-hmm. that. I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And the second part of the, the question, we kind of alluded to it already, the, how do we differentiate between the truthfulness of Christianity as opposed to the truthfulness of other religions if both Christianity and other religions have these kinds of encounters? How, how do we know that Christianity is the right one? I mean, this is, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the writer of this question, this is a bit of a crisis moment in their life because they have a friend who has experienced this massive conversion experience. And so the question is very real. How do I know that Christianity is true if this person that I'm close to has had this remarkable experience happen in their lives? So how do you, I'm going to throw it to Kyle first. How how do you help people understand or or process how, how Christianity is different from other religions and how you kind of evaluate the different competing worldviews? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Religions and worldviews aren't simply um, products that are promoted that we just kind of sit back and choose between. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're all made in God's image and we all have this sensus divinitatis, to quote a Latin word, Jonathan, to give you a big word. I'm so impressed yeah. right now. <laughs> this sense of the divine, the sense that God made us, the sense that um, you know, God is real, um, then we're not neutral in our assessing of different claims to truth mm. that we in one sense already know the truth. There's a, um, an old theologian that was invited to a university to an atheist um, club and a university to say, Hey, prove God to us or what are, what are the evidences for God? We think God's a joke and it's all dumb. Mm-hmm. So instead of going in with, um, you know, different traditional arguments and leading off with, you know, these different evidences that point to there being a God because of design and all these different things, he goes in and he begins the lecture by saying, well, I don't actually need to prove to you that God exists because each and every one of you already know in your heart that God exists and you're rejecting that truth and that acknowledgement. And they got all mad and all wound up and all just, you know, incensed that this guy is saying that you actually believe in God when we're, no, we're atheists. But what he was, what he was hinting at is that um, what Paul alludes to in Romans chapter 1 I read verse 18. He says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. So the, the sense that we are made in God's image and God works through his created world in order to reveal certain things about his character and his power is something that we have the privilege of enjoying as people. Um, but because we don't want God on the throne of our lives, because, you know, going back to our earlier conversation, we want to be on the throne of our own lives. Because of that, we don't recognize that and admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not neutral in assessing different claims about different religions um, 
in, in a real sense, we know that there is one true God, and we know quite a bit about Him. Um, so that that barrier that we have against that truth is what needs to be broken through. And Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel because it, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes in Romans 1. So it's this truth of, of God's love demonstrated in Christ to forgive us our sins, to actually re, be reunited with us. Mm. It's this gospel truth that becomes the, the powerful word that penetrates our rebellion um, and actually gives us the life that, that we need. And on a very practical level, too, it's the fact that the Christian faith is um, investigatable. Like, you mm-hmm. can look into it and f- look at dates and times and places and have them um, verified by archaeology rather than nullified by archaeology, right? It's that piece that there you can take scientific inquiry to the facts that are within the Bible and find them to be mm-hmm. true. And so, that holds way more weight than experience. Like. Or the idea of like authorship, how many people put together the Quran and how many people put together, you know, the Book of Mormon or whatever. One. But how many people put together the Bible? How many people wrote the New Testament even alone? Yeah. And yet it all fits together as one story. Yeah. And yeah, yet there's a cohesion amongst that. It's, I mean, I find that really compelling. Uh, As soon as there's one person who basically dictates the, the way the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, the way a whole religion functions, I'm kind of like, well... Yeah, <laughs> but when you have a whole bunch of people all all kind of saying that same story over thousands of years, yeah, yeah. pointing and to the same message, yeah. yeah, even just like the way the way the 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 narrative of Jesus spread, like in the early years, and and the the fact that people who saw Jesus were willing to die for him, it, I, I think there's a lot of. I mean, now we're getting into apologetics here, but I think there's a lot of really compelling, um, uh, um, objective even objective. Truth. facts yeah. and truth regarding Christianity that uh, you can't really make the same claims of other religions. So, mm. I mean, if you're curious about that, I would suggest Andy Steiger, send him a, a buzz. ApologeticsCanada.com has a lot of good Dot podcasts com. and articles and yeah. resources. resources. I'm pretty sure that they do an annual conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In March. And I'm also pretty sure that he wrote a book. Thinking? <laughs> So, yeah. No, they yeah. have a lot of great resources to yeah. and our help church, with a lot of And our church those. resource room would have a lot, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We sure do. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think that's going to be it for today. Um, but I, I'm just happy I was able to be here at the moment. I actually think a bromance budded here this morning between <laughs> Kyle and Jonathan. That I, I don't, I, I, I'm going to call it God's providence. I don't, I don't think I saw that coming. The, the synergy, the, just the... <laughs> The raw connectivity of your uh, brains. I have this urge to go buy skinny jeans now. It's wow! Like, it's just like, <laughs> what? And an electric guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh dear. I'm gonna encourage you to suppress those urges. <laughs> I'm also gonna urge you to suppress those. <laughs> Jonathan will shave his head. Totally. I'm gonna go. I might go bald anyway. Yeah. Know, well, it's genetics. Could happen sooner than later. Oh, hey, wow. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have questions, uh, feel, feel awkward. free to email those to <laughs> extra at northcu.org. Again, if the audio is all messed up, my apologies. But hopefully it worked and it was enjoyable to listen to. I had a good time talking to you guys. So uh, we'll see you at church on the weekend. Yeah,